You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Tonight, my guests are Sheila Gunn-Reed and Kean Bextie. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show as well as all the other great TV-style shows too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to premium.rebelnews.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support the Rebel without ever having to spend a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, it's not exactly like Nero fiddling as Rome burned, but just will you hear how much the Trudeau clan spent on food on one of their most recent vacations? Oh, and you're footing the bill, by the way. Sheila Gunn-Reed has all the details. So who's who at the who? Kian Bexty will offer his thoughts on the head honcho at the World Health Organization. If only it was as funny as the who's on first routine. And finally, letters. We get your letters. We get them every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding how the superheroes of the supply chain, yes, that would be the truckers out there, are being treated like crap when it comes to bathroom breaks. Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. comes to us by way of an order paper question asked to the government by Ontario Conservative MP John Brassard. Brassard asked, with regard to government aircraft traveling between Canada and Costa Rica between December 15, 2019 and January 10, 2020, what are the details of the legs of the flight to and from Costa Rica, including the aircraft date, departure, arrival, number of passengers, excluding the security detail, the names of the passengers, the purpose of the flight, and the catering costs? Now, this is clearly about the vacationer-in-chief's extended Christmas family vacation. This is what our friends at True North reported at the time. The Prime Minister is enjoying personal time in Costa Rica with his family for the holidays, said PMO Press Secretary Eleanor Catanero. Local media reports that Trudeau served with Louis Lacal, the president-elect of Uruguay. Photos of what appears to be an unshaven Trudeau with the brown paper bag surfaced on Twitter Wednesday. Now, it's pretty clear. Broussard wanted to know what sort of self-care and me time Trudeau was charging us for this time. Now, for context, Costa Rica is about a five, five and a half 
our direct flight from Ottawa. So like one meal-ish and maybe a snack. Think Vancouver to Toronto fly time. Now on the flight down, here is the food and beverage and booze bill. December 20th, 2019, $323.54. And holy cow, look at this next one. It's insane. January 4, 2020, $912.17 in food and drinks on the way back to Ottawa. I guess the Trudeaus wanted to keep the island vibes going because the bill is nearly $1,250 in food for a round trip for the Trudeau family to Costa Rica and back. And no, those are indeed the numbers, folks. Nobody forgot to carry the one here. Just outrageous. And with more on this story, this egregious story, no less, of a food frenzy bought and paid for via the taxpayer is Sheila Gunn-Reed herself. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on the show. And that is a beautiful denim jacket. It reminds me of something I think Dolly Parton wore <laughs> once a long time ago. Anyway, Sheila, what a mind-boggling report. And, you know, there's so much to digest here, no pun intended, but I just can't get past the chutzpah factor here. I mean, just who this side of Marie Antoinette could possibly be so entitled to spend so reckless, recklessly on our dime? Well, that's the thing. Like this, this I'm surprised, but I shouldn't be surprised because yeah. earlier this year I discovered that they had spent like three hundred and seventy thousand dollars on food on just a few flights um, on official government business. And last year I discovered that they spent some three hundred and eighty thousand dollars on a similar number of flights. Again, at least that was on government business. Yeah, a hell of a lot of money. Um, outrageous, but at least. They tell me they were doing some kind of government business. This is for the family and just five of them. I mean, it's crazy. And three of them are kids. What are they eating? Like I said in the video, are they eating a baby elephant like Mugabe? Like what's going on in that plane? <laughs> yeah. What are they eating and in what quantity uh, are they eating? I mean, Sheila, I, I was looking at your numbers. I was doing the math. I was going to some very high-end restaurant uh, menus back when you could go to a high-end restaurant in any city in the world uh, prior to the Wuhan flu. And it doesn't add up. I mean, like, uh, is, there some, is there some kind of a middleman or something getting some grease here? I mean, like, it, it just can't add up to that amount. That's the thing. On our other investigations, we were able to get the breakdown, the menu breakdown, and also the liquor breakdown. And from that, we discovered that Justin Trudeau likes to, not likes to, insists upon having his special vodka on these these booze cruises that he takes in the air. But in this instance, um, we didn't receive any of the menu breakdowns, even though that was part of the question to not just get the bulk totals, but the breakdown of the menu. They didn't provide those. So I can't tell you, but I do know that they do like high-end alcohol and they do like gourmet food. So, I mean, they can run up a pretty big liquor bill when you're drinking Justin Trudeau's special vodka. Um, but yeah, again, these are like 60% of the people eating here are children so they're not eating all that much and they're not drinking liquor so where's the bill coming from 
Indeed. I mean, I mean how, how much can uh, chicken fingers and goldfish cost? But, <laughs> Sheila, here's the thing. You asked for an itemized list. Now, I understand, based on your last report, that this can be very embarrassing when it shows that the uh, uh, Prime Minister is not just drinking vodka, but the highest, highest-end vodka. But what would be the reason for withholding these items? Because this doesn't violate anyone's privacy, surely, does it? No, no. I, I mean, it's ostensibly the fact that this would embarrass the government. And this actually wasn't even my question. This is an order paper question. So it was asked by a member of the opposition to the government. And the government is actually legally compelled to answer these things in full detail within 30 days. It's one of the very few mechanisms in the parliamentary system where you will actually get an answer from the government instead of some like talking and dancing around the subject that you see in question period. Um, but yeah, they didn't provide the itemized list. And I suspect it is because it would be so outrageous, especially given that, you know, this was over the Christmas break. It's not all that long ago. Things were bad in Alberta and getting worse. And for our prime minister to just sort of flee the scene of the crime, as it were, and then go on a big, long family vacation, I think it was for about three weeks, and treat himself to all of this on taxpayer money. It, it does have a very Marie Antoinette feel to it. Wow. Now, Sheila, you mentioned the opposition. Jump into my uh, DeLorean with the flux capacitator, will you? And let's go back in time about a decade or so. Do you remember Bev Oda? And do you remember how the media party lost its collective mind when it was revealed she ordered a $16 orange juice? Now, granted, that, that is a little extravagant, but that is chump change compared to this tab. How, why the double standard here? Why did they go mental over a $16 glass of orange juice? Meanwhile, uh, the Trudeaus are, like you say, are living like Marie Antoinette. You know, it's, it's always been that way, hasn't it? When you have a very, that's why Ezra calls him the media party. Because they're just, the, you know, the propaganda arm of the Liberal Party of Canada and every little bit of news that Canadian consumers used to consume before we and a few others came along, it was all through that very pro-liberal lens. Bev Oda had to resign over a $16 glass of orange juice. And part of that is because of the media party. But part of that is also because conservatives hold themselves to a higher standard. I mean, I think the hammer came down on Bev Oda from above, from within her own party, saying this is absolutely ridiculous. We don't do this kind of stuff. Whereas in the Liberal Party of Canada, I mean, who who's going to hold Justin Trudeau to account for wasting taxpayer dollars? They'd all love a chance to put their snout in that trough, wouldn't they? Um, and, you know, uh, another, there's another layer here. This question came from the opposition, which means the opposition got this answer, and yet they didn't do anything with it. I don't expect the other media to do anything with it when these order paper answers are out there and publicly available for anybody to find, however it seems that it's just me that finds them. Um, but what about, the, uh, what about the opposition party? Why didn't they make a stink about this? This is outrageous. And yet they didn't make a stink about it. It's just me finding it and then reporting on it. You know, that is an excellent point, Sheila. Um, this is a softball over home plate for the opposition to knock out of the ballpark. 
where's the downside? I mean, who would come to the defense of such extravagant uh, meal expenses? Why, why isn't the opposition running with this? Um, well, I think part of it has to do with their um, former leader um, running up bills and charging them to the party. Now, that's party dollars. It's, that's right. It's not tax payer dollars, um, but it comes from the membership, and a lot of the membership, I've heard, um, don't take very kindly to the fact that they were paying for Andrew Shear's kids to go to private school and paying for his minivan. Um, it's, you know, it's the conservative mantra to pay your own way, to live within your means, and yet the leader wasn't. So, and while, uh, like I said, while this is party funds and not taxpayer funds, it sure makes it difficult to hold Justin Trudeau, account, D Justin Trudeau to account for wasting taxpayer dollars living large when your own leader was doing the same thing with party funds. But you, you know something, Sheila, you are right. It, it is different. And it, it's simply this, as you said, the party you know, any party of any political strike will uh, prepare deals for their leaders and it is their own money yeah. and they can do with it uh, what they want. And I think they could have ended this drama because there's the media was still talking about this as late as last week um, by yeah. saying, look, it's an internal party deal. It's our own money. It's not taxpayer money. Move on. Instead, they run for it. My personal point of view, why they don't do that, is because Shear's in a bit of a trap. He he depicted himself as the Tim Hortons kind of guy, you know, the, the dude, you know, the guy yeah. that drives the, the common van and, you know, has a common job. And, well, yeah, my five kids are in private school that I don't pay for. So I think that's maybe the, the pickle they're in. But that is far less egregious, I think, than going to the oh, taxpayer yeah. trough and slurping those dollars. Sheila, exit question. You keep doing such fantastic work exposing these egregious expenses. Um, is anything going to change? Um, I, I don't see any kind of internal change within this Liberal Party, but at least maybe more media getting on board to hold this government accountable, perhaps? Is that too much to ask? It might be. <laughs> it might be. I mean, if I care about job security, then I'm more than happy to be the only person doing this work in Canada. However, um, I think uh, for the benefit of the country, I wish more news organizations were actually holding those in power to account on behalf of the people instead of holding the common people to account on behalf of the government. Um, but I'll keep doing the work I do. Um, because I want the Canadian public to have these sorts of answers. Fantastic. Well, Sheila, another great report. And again, I want to compliment you on that beautiful jean jacket. I know there's an incredible story behind <laughs> it. It took you years to source that jean jacket. But the difference between Sheila Gunn-Reed and Justin Trudeau, ladies and gentlemen, is that Sheila Gunn-Reed paid for that jacket out of her own pocket. So there you have it. Thank you once again, Sheila for uh, for that report and folks keep it here more of rebel roundup to come right after this the 70th world health assembly on the nomination of the executive board appoints dr tedros adanom gebreyesus as director general of the world health organization dr tedros adanom who the hell is he, really? 
you've surely seen him on TV by now, being a darling of the mainstream media and all. Dr. Tedros is the highest ranking medical official in the world during this time of global pandemic. But unlike most medical officials across the globe, he isn't even a real medical doctor. In fact, he's the first ever to lead the World Health Organization without a medical degree. Tedros is simply a communist academic, and I'll get back to that in a sec, who has never cured a patient in his entire life. But of course, you wouldn't know that because the mainstream media doesn't want you to question the UN, WHO, China cabal. See, Tedros, he's actually a politician who hired a public relations firm in the United States to help him get the lucrative top job at the WHO. Mercury Public Affairs put together a snazzy presentation for him to deliver to the global body, but when it came time for him to answer questions, well, let's just say it didn't go too well. Thank you very much, and thank you very much, Dr. Tedros, for your presentation. You focus on fragile states and hard-to-reach settings, but with very little clarity on the WHO mission in terms of the development agenda. So how can we um, translate your views in terms of a development candidate? Sorry, but the question is not clear. Can you clarify, if I may ask? Sorry. How can you better explain your claim of being a candidate from the South, a, a development agenda candidate? When you say that candidate, <coughs> linking it to sustainable development goals? I would like to ask you, uh, which technical cooperation areas do you regard being the nice to have or so-called the pet topics of the member states in which the WHO is currently active and you see the least value added in the organization action? Thank you. Maybe if you can repeat, not uh, clear, or if you can... Wow, does that look like someone you want in charge of any organization, let alone one that ostensibly looks out for the health of the entire planet? And with more on this tale of who the head honcho is at The Who, is our roving reporter, Kian Bexty. Welcome to the Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David. Good to see you're keeping well. So, Kian, that was a whopper of a commentary on how Tedros somehow got the top spot at the World Health Organization. But I'm delighted that the word is getting out about how corrupt this organization truly is. Recently, as you know, President Trump pulled millions of dollars of U.S. funding going to the WHO. Uh, tell me, Kian, can we possibly expect Justin Trudeau to pull funding from the WHO, too? Well, I mean, I wish. We're creating a petition actually to that effect. We want Justin Trudeau. We want Scott Morrison uh, in Australia. We want Boris Johnson. We want every uh, political leader, prime minister or president uh, across the West to pull their funding from the World Health Organization and redirect that money, uh, that capital towards pandemic planning that isn't uh, oriented in a, in a China first way. Uh, you've seen how the World Health Organization has handled this pandemic, and it's been an absolute boondoggle. So if people want to sign that petition, they can actually go to who wants out, WHO, who wants out.com, sign that petition, and we're going to send it to every prime minister and president in the West to let them know. And we're going to send it to the World Health Organization itself. Dr. Tedros is not really a medical doctor. Uh, we're going to send it to him so that they know what kind of thin ice they're treading on.
Now, Kian, for those of our viewers who haven't seen your commentary yet, and I urge them to do so, it was excellent, um, they're probably saying, well, Dr. Tedros, that doesn't sound Chinese, doesn't look Chinese, he is in fact Ethiopian. Um, so what, can you give us a, um, uh, a Reader's Digest version of how this particular individual is doing the bidding of Beijing? Yeah, for sure. I, over the past I've become this like expert on Ethiopian communism, so I know way too much about this, but I'm trying to like, sum it up. Uh, basically, Tedros uh, was the health minister and the foreign affairs minister of a communist regi regime in uh, Ethiopia, which received international condemnation uh, because of how they've handled a ton of different crises from uh, cholera cover-ups. This guy, of course, is the one leading the WHO now, and we see this COVID cover-up that we saw in January. He actually covered up three outbreaks of cholera in Ethiopia, which eventually ended up spreading to bordering countries. And not just that, that was when he was health minister. When he was foreign affairs minister, his government shot and curb stomped and broke up protests in the street after they tried to mass relocate 15,000 people. And I don't know if you know anything about history, David, but mass relocations never turn out well. And it certainly didn't turn out well Dr. Tedros, as he calls himself. He's not really a medical doctor, as I said before. They ended up shooting people in the streets on their day of Thanksgiving. Uh, and it was just this awful story. And then a few months after that, he manages to get the top job at the WHO. And just after that, he appoints, he nominates rather, Robert Mugabe to the position of UN goodwill ambassador. Because of course, the WHO and the UN, they're, they're one in the same organization. Um, and he, he nominates Robert Mugabe, someone, a genocidal maniac, someone who uh, was an agent of China himself. Many people don't know that, but when, Z uh, when Zimbabwe became a country after Rhodesia fell, uh, Robert Mugabe won the election uh, and was uh, and won with the aid of China. His opponent was, was a uh, USSR puppet. He was a Chinese puppet, and China won because they were trying to exert this global influence, especially in Africa. As, as colonial times were rearranging there. So he, he uh, back to Tedros, he appoints Robert Mugabe to this position of UN goodwill ambassador as sort of a nod, not to Zimbabwe or Robert Mugabe himself, but to China, to, to uh, exacerbate China's reach within the WHO. And we see that playing out right now. Uh, China has been put in a position where they're now dealing and managing human rights within the United Nations. They've gotten their, their sticky fingers everywhere and Dr. Tedros is a major part of that problem. So I think, um, and, and I, I think a majority of, of clear thinking Canadians, Americans, British folk and, and Australians would say that it's time to pull out of this corrupt body and direct our money where, where it will really help save lives. Well, Kian, so much to digest there. First of all, it's just absolutely obscene anyone would attach the words goodwill to Robert Mugabe. I mean, when Zimbabwe was created, that was the breadbasket of Africa. It, under his leadership, it became a recipient of world food aid. Uh, he was so incompetent and a thug to boot. But, you know, I got to tell you, it's perversely ironic, isn't it, with Tedros, uh, given that three times he covered up a cholera epidemic. Um, 
I guess you could argue in hindsight, uh, Kian, that was kind of on-the-job training for being the head of the World Health Organization because we know that if his puppet master had come clean in November about what was happening in Wuhan and had shut down travel and had done all the emergency procedures we're now doing, we wouldn't be in this multi-trillion dollar depression right now that has infected the entire world. So this is an added shame, I think, to this fool being in charge of the WHO to begin with. Yeah, Dr. Tedros has blood on his hands back when he was leading Ethiopia, and he has even more blood on his hands now. You're exactly right. It was on-the-job training. Every uh, death from this COVID outbreak, uh, from from any, anyone who dies from Wuhan pneumonia in Canada, in the United States, in the UK, anywhere in the West, uh, anywhere where this disease has spread from China, it is his fault. It is Dr. Tedros's fault for allowing China to cover it up and not doing the one thing we expect the World Health Organization to do, which is to alert us ahead of time of global pandemics. Even when they realized there was human team uh, 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 transmittance of this disease, even when they realized it was a global epidemic, they wouldn't call it a pandemic, which is a key word uh, that many world leaders look to to start initiating the machinery of, of combating the illness. Uh, he refused to do that. Every suicide that has resulted from this global economic downturn, every death from COVID, that's blood on his hands. And it's just despicable that we are paying his salary. And, and you know what else is despicable too, Kian, is that um, you'd think there'd be a media snowball about this. Um, articles and documentaries and commentaries much in your vein of what you've exposed about that, but it's actually been quite the contrary. Just a couple of days ago, I was listening to a medical expert on Toronto radio station, News Talk 1010, and they were debunking all the crazy things people are doing to try to protect them from themselves from this virus, including drinking watered-down bleach, if you can believe it. But this guy's cred went right out the window when the host asked him, what should people be doing? And he said, go to the World Health Organization <laughs> website for your information. Are you kidding me with the way they flip-flopped, with the way, as Donald Trump said, the way they have dropped the ball on this and fumbled? I mean, would you go to the WHO's website with Tedros in charge right now for even to get information on how to cure a stubbed toenail? No, because they tell you, David, they would tell you, uh, well, first off, they'd preface everything by saying China's not to blame. Don't be a racist. Don't call this yes. the Wuhan pneumonia virus. And then they would tell you that masks are ineffective. Then they'll tell you that human-to-human -human transmission doesn't exist. If you were looking back in January when everyone knew that human-to-human -human transmission existed, everyone, uh, every layman knew, was aware of the coronavirus back in Christmas. If you can think back that long, everyone sort of in the back of their head, they had heard about uh, uh, contagion in Wuhan. They sort of knew what was going on. And there's just no way that this virus was something that, what, there, that there was one point, one sick dog in the wet market or something that everyone was sort of getting sick with. They were closing down Wuhan entirely, filling up tunnels with concrete so people couldn't get through. Yeah. And the World Health Organization was still adamant at that point that there was no human-to-human -human transmission. It's absolutely inept. It's a boondoggle. We need to get out of it. And I encourage everyone who's watching this to go sign that petition at whowantsout.com. Sign that petition. We're going to send it to everyone. And Kian, very quickly, exit question. Um, it was so refreshing to see Donald Trump use straight talk to condemn the WHO and withdraw his funding. Of course, I don't expect Justin Trudeau to follow suit. He, we know China is the kind of basic dictatorship, in his words, that he admires. Here's my exit question for you, uh, Kian. 
What's stopping other Western democracies, aside from Canada, of course, from doing what Trump did and just pull their funding in light of what we now know about the WHO? Uh, so by funding WHO, it gives your country a lot of perks, not perks for the people, but perks for the politicians. So when you see uh, mayors of certain cities going on international circuits with the World Health Organization, those are little perks that they love to have, and it's all a result of us paying the cash. And it gets sort of hidden, right? Like, it's not like Nenshi or, or John Tory, when they go on trips with the United Nations or the World Health Organization, whoever it is, whenever it is, it's not like they're expensing that to the taxpayer because the World Health Organization will foot the bill or the United Nations will foot the bill. Uh, so they, at the end of the year, they can say, oh, I didn't expense any trips. It was the World Health Organization that paid for it. But at the end of the day, the taxpayer is the same. The World Health Organization doesn't make money from some you know, the World Health Organization gets its money from you and I. They get a little bit from Bill Gates, um, but the majority of it is funded by taxpayers across the world. Uh, so it's just sort of this weird, weird uh, cover-up racket uh, where we have no idea where the money comes from. Where, uh, well, we know where the money comes from. We have no idea where the money goes. And when people see the money being spent, they don't feel like it's their own money. I fear you're right, my friend, and it's downright despicable. Kian, thank you so much. Those are excellent reports you've filed on Tedros and the WHO. And in the meantime, you stay safe, my friend. Thanks, you too, David. Okay. And that was Kian Bexty in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Mississauga, Ontario. And um, one of the things that we have learned with the coronavirus crisis is who is essential and who is not so essential. And folks, I would argue that one of the most essential people we have, in addition to those in the medical profession, are the truckers of this nation. Everything you see and buy on store shelves, it got there on the back of a truck. And I am with Guy Broderick. He is a manager and a veteran trucker here at Apps Transport Group. And you would think that these superheroes would be warmly embraced in this day and age of the COVID-19 crisis, but just wait till you hear the kind of disrespect Mr. Broderick and his brothers and sisters driving these 18-wheelers are taking on an almost daily basis. One of the biggest factors that our drivers are experiencing is the fact that they cannot use a washroom. And I heard stories from our drivers, then I actually heard it firsthand myself. And uh, I drove just last week two and a half hours to get to one of our customers. And uh, to my surprise, when I got there, I asked very politely, could I use the bathroom? And they said, oh, we have to check with the manager. They go inside, then they come out, and they said, if you really have to go, you're going to have to go behind the trailer. Well, I, I guess they're big. I do understand the situation where they want to limit people entering their buildings, but the science has reported consistently since the whole beginning of this crisis, the best way to prevent this disease from going further is to wash your hands. That's the biggest line of defense. And to tell people, oh, you can't use our facilities, you're gonna have to go outside and you have nowhere to wash your hands, that's, it, it's quite atrocious. 
Oh, incredible. The truckers are the superheroes of the supply lines, and yet too many businesses they deliver to treat them like crap, no pun intended, when it comes to bathroom breaks. It's a disgrace. It's disrespectful. It's unhygienic and unsanitary, and especially now during this time of the Wuhan virus that is shutting down the world, this odious practice must end. And folks, you certainly made your opinions known regarding this egregious state of affairs on our highways and byways. For instance, Mike Tomancini writes, we have our washrooms and showers open in Pembroke, Irving Big Stop lunches available and coffee for the truckers. Well, Mike, a free plug for you and your shop because you, sir, are a champion. Lovin' Stevens writes, first of all, that would never be said to a female. Well, Lovin' Stevens, I regret to say that this nonsense is indeed being conveyed to female drivers too. Can you imagine? But I don't care who is delivery, bringing the delivery to a business. If ye have to use the loo, let them. Otherwise, your cupboards are gonna be bare. Bruno Tulliani writes, come on all you store owners, set up a porta potty and an outdoor sink with hot running water and soap. It's not rocket science, shameful and disgraceful. I agree, Bruno, if for whatever reason you don't want truckers to come inside, then bring the bathroom facilities outside. Surely that is a compromise we can all live with, even though if I ran any kind of business, I would certainly treat truckers with the respect they so richly deserve, and as such, I'd let them indoors, no hesitation whatsoever. M. Perrin writes, I'm a trucker too. I wish I could say I was treated as well as a dog most days. People have no respect. You know, I'm very sorry to hear that, M. Perrin, and I have to be honest, I just don't get it. But I'm very happy to see that the Ontario Premier, Doug Ford, recently weighed in on this issue. Check it out. You know, like, like open up the, the washrooms for, for these truckers. It's not right. It's not fair. They're doing their job. We all, we all have to work together. Well said, Mr. Premier. But of course, there is always the statistical anomaly out there when it comes to an issue you'd think would be unanimous. Case in point, Mark Nadja writes, truckers are heroes. WTF? How? Aren't they just doing their job? Yeah, you know, they are doing their job, and yeah, they are heroes, at least in my book, because without them, there's absolutely nothing to buy at the store. Now, you may disagree with that, but surely you're not so ignorant that you feel that people doing their job should be denied a bathroom for when nature calls. We're all only human, after all. Even you, Mark. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.